Well, it's good to see everybody. As I mentioned, it's good to be seen. Uh, my name is Adam Siddler, for those of you who don't know who I am, and it is cold outside. Amen? I don't know why you'd say amen to that. That's, we uh, just know that this is not going to last. That's what we hold on to as Minnesotans, that this will not last. But then we stick around, and it happens again every winter. So I don't know. I don't know why. We're crazy, I guess, right? But nonetheless, I hope that you're finding yourself uh, able to stay warm. Uh, and it's good to be back. Uh, we had such a great time over the Christmas season, uh, being able to worship and uh, enjoy that together. Um, we had a great Christmas Eve service. It was fantastic to see um, everybody together in the room uh, at the same time and to worship in that way. And then certainly our Sunday service and uh, in all of that, not only have we been able to continue to connect in person, but then thankfully to be able to do that virtually. And so I want to do a, a huge shout out to Matthew, our production director, and all of our tech team uh, that worked so hard to make this virtual experience possible. It's a lot of work, and if you get a chance to see Matthew or any member of our tech team, please thank them. Let them know how much they're appreciated so that we can continue to connect in this way. Over the last uh, six weeks, we did a series called Silent Night, Holy Night, and we were looking at the relationship between peace and significance, silence and holiness. And looking at how at first glance those things can seem often um, uh, paradoxical. I'm impressed I just used that word. Look it up. Is that a real word? Anyways, I like it. And also how it can be a dichotomy at times too. How can peace and holiness, how can peace and significance, silence and holiness, how can they coexist and mingle? And I hope that over the course of those six weeks we understood a little bit more as to how enmeshed those two things are in the life of a believer and the church. And now today we're going to talk about something that probably seems quite cliche, being that it's January 2nd. And I'm sure all of you have uh, solidified your resolutions and you're doing really well with them, probably, right? Two days in, piece of cake. Uh, but we're going to be talking today about vision, vision. And it's an interesting concept, it's a very interesting word, but I hope that as cliche as it sounds on January 2nd, 2022, to be talking about vision, I hope that you're able to connect with this in a way that maybe you haven't before, uh, because I think it's going to have profound impact on you and us as a church. Uh, and then at the end of the message, I'm going to be talking also about our plan for this year, 2022, when it comes to our Sunday experiences. But let me ask you this question as we get going. Do you know how confident do you know God's vision for your life? If I was to ask you um, point blank in the commons or uh, in some sort of conversation, do you know God's vision for your life? Would you be able to answer that question by saying yes? 
One day I was, uh, I was out running. It's been a while, as you can tell, that I've been running. But I did take that up a while back, back in 2014. I was way out of shape, super unhealthy, and so I decided I got to better myself. So I started running, running quite a bit. And I don't want to say that I ran five marathons, because that would be totally misleading. I finished barely five marathons. Um, but nonetheless, I did a lot of running as I trained. And I remember there are several times where I would go out and I would start running and I'd go multiple miles and I'd get to a place in a situation where I had absolutely no idea where I was, how I got there, or how I'm supposed to get home. And I, I got to ask you, have you ever been in a situation like that? I mean, let's just look. Literally, have you ever been driving somewhere, walking somewhere, uh, experiencing a stroll of some kind, and then found yourself in a situation where you didn't know, quite know where you were? You didn't quite know how you got there, and you certainly didn't really know how to get home. Do you remember what life was like before GPS? Oh, that's hard to imagine now, isn't it? I mean, we got GPS, it's on our phones, of course, and then it's equipped in most of our cars, too. And, and, and so when we go anywhere, uh, even someplace that you've probably been a hundred times, you probably are putting it into your GPS. We just now do that. It's a part of our daily existence. But that wasn't always the case. I remember, I'm 45, and I remember when I was in high school, I mean, if, you, if I'm driving around and I got lost, I had three options, right? I either used a map, when was the last time you actually used a map, right? You use a map, or you stop at a gas station, you go in and they ask somebody somewhere, hey, how do I get to this place, or whatever, or you find a payphone, do you remember those? And you call up whoever and find out whatever... Um, uh, thing that you need to look for or road in order to get to where you need to go. Now we just use our GPS. And, and here's the thing. We would, not, we would not necessarily know what to do these days or where to go without that. And if we went on a road trip, honestly, we wouldn't even fathom going on a road trip without access to GPS. It would actually probably produce a level of anxiety if we went somewhere where we didn't have GPS. Yet, many of us are going through life that way. We don't know where we're going. We don't know how it is that we got where we are, and we certainly don't know how to get to where we feel like we need to be. Helen Keller, many of you know who she was, um, she says this, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. Being able to see is not the same thing as having vision. So how can you ensure that you have a fulfilled and purposed life? How is it that you can ensure that you have a fulfilled and purposed life? relationship with anybody or anything. Well, I believe that this happens when you realize God's vision for your life. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, in the NASB version, it says this, and many of you have heard this verse before, where there is no revelation, a.k.a. vision, people cast off restraint, or you may have read or heard the people perish. 
but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Because life is hard enough as it is. You can say amen to that. Amen? But to live life without knowing God's vision for your life is the equivalent of going on a road trip without your GPS. You wouldn't do it. But yet, we do that in our life constantly when it comes to God's vision. And he has a vision for your life that he wants you to discover. I'm going to be hitting that nail several times because it's a very important aspect of this. God wants you to discover his vision for your life. You know what? I have two golden retrievers, and when I play with them, one of my favorite things to do is to take the ball that they love to play with and to, like, put it out here and then put it behind my back and have the dogs think, whoa, wait, wait, wait. That's magic. Where did that go? And sniff around. You know, I love, to, I love to tease my dogs that way, but God does not do that with you and I. Do you think that he does? He doesn't. He wants you to know his vision for your life. What does it mean to have vision? <clears throat> There's a movie from the 80s. Um, uh, that I love, find hilarious. Um, and it's, it's called The Great Outdoors with John Candy and Dan Aykroyd. I don't know if you remember that movie. Uh, but there's this funny scene where the two of them are talking about vision. Check this out. This is, this is, this is beautiful country here. Take a good look. I'll tell you what I see when I look out there, if you want to know. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. I see the underdeveloped resources of northern Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan. I see a syndicated development consortium exploiting over a billion and a half dollars in forest products. I see a paper mill, and if the strategic metals are there, a mining operation. A greenbelt between the condos on the lake and a waste management facility, focusing on the newest rage in toxic waste, medical refuse, infected bandages, body parts, IV tubing, contaminated glassware, entrails, syringes, fluid, blood, low-grade radioactive waste, all safely contained, sunken in the lake, and sealed for centuries. Now, I ask you, what do you see? I, I just see, uh, see trees. Well, no one ever accused you of having the grand vision. Nope. Maybe it's all for the best. While the ambitious scramble for wealth and power, the Chet Ripley's of the world are just able to lay back and casually stroll along life's path. I mean that as a compliment. Oh, thanks. The rest of us are all probably going to die of heart attacks and strokes long before you. <laughs> I hope so. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> So what, what does it mean to have a vision? Well, let me tell you first what I'm not talking about. What I'm not talking about, obviously I'm not talking about sight, actually physically seeing, physically having vision. That's not what we're talking about. We're also not talking about goals or what is it that we make this time of year? Resolutions. I'm not talking about that either. I would, I would define goals or resolutions as measurable benchmarks along the way towards an ultimate destination. So I'm not talking about that. I'm also not talking about an event or situation where somebody has a vision, you know. I, that's not what I'm referring to either. And for you Marvel fans, I'm not talking about the, the superhero. Uh, but here's my definition. If, if I could summate what we're talking about today, vision is this, God's picture of a better future for his creation. 
God's picture of a better future for his creation. That's, that's you, that's me, that's his church, that's this world. God's vision is his picture of a better future for us. And, and I believe that this is informed by three really critical aspects. Now, it is interesting how so much of, of the, the spiritual life um, is broken up in, in threes. That's incredible. Um, but today, it literally is three things that I think are important in determining, discovering God's vision for your life. The first is, is asking. The second is listening. We're going to break that down. And the third is doing the hard work, asking, listening, and doing the hard work. Vision is reaching beyond what you can currently grasp. You can see it, but you can't quite grab a hold of it. Here's an interesting story that gives a, a good distinction of um, uh, having a vision and not having a vision. Uh, there are three bricklayers who were building a wall, and a passerby came upon them and came to the first bricklayer and said, hey, what are you doing? And the first bricklayer looked at him and said, I'm laying bricks. What does it look like I'm doing? Passerby goes on to the next bricklayer and asks that guy, hey, what are you doing? And the bricklayer says, I'm I'm building a wall. Come on, what does it look like I'm doing? Goes to the third bricklayer, the passerby, and he says, hey, what are you doing? And the guy turns to him and says, I'm building this Big cathedral for God. Or as the 17th century satirist Jonathan Swift stated, vision is the art of seeing the invisible. Why is it important? Why would we even bother talking about God's vision for our lives? <clears throat> Why is that even important? <clears throat> A.R. Bernard um, lays out this reason, which I think is um, very important um, and on the nose. He's a pastor in Brooklyn, New York, and this is what he says. He says, a person without a vision, God's vision, is a person without a future. A person without a future will always return to their past. Let me repeat that. A person without a vision is a person without a future. A person without a future will always return to their past. Without God's vision in our lives, we literally cannot move forward. We then essentially become sharks. And if sharks don't continue to swim, what what happens? They die. When we aren't moving forward, when we don't concentrate, pursue God's vision for our lives, we will be reckless. We'll be reckless in our relationships, for instance. We'll be reckless with our decisions. But God wants us to know his vision for our lives. And there's so much at stake, isn't there? I mean, our relationships, our, our marriages, our, our families, um, certainly our decisions, our futures, our lives are all at stake. And God provides the GPS that we desperately need. 
When you were young, you had, you had some, some goals, some dreams, some ambitions, you know. You might have been to be a police officer or a rock star like it was with me. I talked a little bit about that before. But you had some idea when you were a little kid, and then as you became um, an adolescent, you know, that became a little bit more concrete. Maybe you wanted to be a veterinarian or a nurse or uh, work with computers, and then you went to college. And, and, that may, and maybe in the course of all that, some of your dreams and ambitions actually came true. Maybe you've realized some of those things. Maybe not everything, but you've realized some of those things. And even still, in the midst of some of those dreams, ambitions, and goals in your life having come true, maybe even still, you find yourself frustrated and disappointed because you're still not fully and completely fulfilled. And you're wondering, why? Why? I have this, I have that, I have this, I had hoped for this, and I do, I have that. Why do I still feel unfulfilled? What I'm about to say next, if I could, if you only took away one thing from this message here today, and if I could guarantee what that one thing was, I would hope that it was this. The reason that you don't feel fulfilled is not because your dreams haven't become realized, but because God's vision for your life hasn't. Regardless of what goals or ambitions or dreams that you've had for your life and whether they've come true or not is not what's at stake. It's not the defining factor as to whether or not you are experiencing fulfillment. It's whether or not you are experiencing God's vision for your life. And God's vision for your life may not look anything like your vision for your life. So how can we know God's vision for our lives? Well, as I mentioned, there are three things. The first thing is we need to ask. You can't get any simpler than that. God isn't playing coy with you. He's not, he's not keeping that ball behind his back. He literally wants to fill you in on his vision for our lives. Lucius Seneca, a first century Roman philosopher, he uh, is quoted as saying this, if one does not know to which port one is sailing, no wind is favorable. doesn't matter. Ask God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Psalm 139, I, I quote this chapter at nauseum. It's my favorite passage in all of Scripture, um, especially verses 23 through 24, and I love the message version of this. Investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Have you ever given anybody in your life that kind of access? Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong, and then, this is the critical part, guide me in th- on the road to eternal life. Have you given God full access? 
Have you done the first essential step in determining God's vision for your life by simply asking him what his vision for you is? And I get it, that can be super scary. Because do you really want to know what God's vision for your life is? Are you truly prepared for him to reveal whatever that would mean for you, for your family? It's, it's the same reason why many people don't go to the doctor. <laughs> you don't want to hear or know about the things that are wrong or things that you haven't been doing. Because what does that mean? If you have the information, you have to do, decide to do something about it, right? It's easier just not knowing. But yet, if you found out that there is something seriously wrong, if you had that information and you had a, a method and a means as to uh, getting physically better, you would do that, would you not? And so much is at stake, as I mentioned, your future, your community, your marriage, your family, all these things. God's vision for your life will begin, I promise, it will begin to materialize and be visible once you begin to simply ask him what it is. After you ask him, you have to listen. Now, listen, we're going to break that down. Um, Because listen is not the same as hearing. Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, he is quoted as saying this, "If, if you are working on something you're really excited about, you don't have to be pushed. Rather, the vision pulls you. When we listen, we get pulled into God's ideal future for us. When God says turn left, we turn left. When God says turn right, we turn right. In Matthew uh, chapter 7, verses 24 through 25, we see the wise and foolish builders, starting with verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams, ro- the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Now, this passage, it gives us a clear picture of how a wise person operates. There are two critical parts. First, the person hears. Everyone who hears these words of mine. And the second, they put those things into practice. That is listening. Anybody can hear. You only need to have kids to understand the difference, right? Kids can hear. They got no problem hearing. But actually putting those things into practice is what constitutes as listening. It means that you and I, if we truly listen, we have to concede that we don't know everything. (gasps) To effectively listen, we have to do both. We have to hear and we have to put those things into practice. 
And I promise that when we ask God, when we simply ask him, and then when we begin to listen, that is hearing from God, hearing from our past experiences, hearing from our failures, hearing from God's word, hearing from others in our life that God has placed to inform us, when we hear those things and then put them into practice, that vision will become even more clear. And that brings us to the third thing, and that, that is we have to be willing to do the hard work. Uh, doing the hard work, if we continue to use the driving GPS analogy, it would be, it would be the equivalent, I guess, of, of driving through Wisconsin. I don't know. I, uh, we just did that. We just went to Indiana as a family. And um, Wisconsin, when you enter uh, from the Twin Cities, it, it's a long drive, right? It just seems to go on forever. Uh, doing the hard work is not always comfortable. It's hard to build on rock. I don't know if you've ever tried to do that, but it is quite difficult. It's a lot easier to dig into sand. Doing the hard work might mean that you have to let go of certain things in your life, certain people, situations, experiences, expectations. We will have to ask ourselves does this action, does this job, does this relationship, does it bring me closer or does it draw me further away from God's vision for my life? Am I in alignment with God's vision? And anything then that isn't in alignment with God's vision for our lives has to be excised in some way. Remember that feeling of being lost that we talked about earlier? Uh, for many of us, that's a feeling that we don't often experience these days because of GPS. But if you remember that hopelessness, you remember that feeling of not knowing where you're going and apply that to your life, not knowing where you're going in your life, in your relationships, in your future, in your decisions. And there's a feeling of hopelessness that can come with that. But it's because you have yet to realize God's vision. You have yet to truly just ask him and then listen and then be willing to do the hard work, to go, as it says in Psalm 139, as God leads you to go with him. That's why I pray that all the time. You've heard me say it. God, give us the courage to go where, go where you lead. The courage. You got to ask, you got to listen, you got to be willing to do the hard work. Uh, there's a movie, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's called Eddie the Eagle. Anybody, raise your hand if you know who Eddie the Eagle is. All right, okay. This guy, for those of you who don't know, um, it was a while back and he was a, uh, a ski jumper with England. But here's the thing it was always his dream to be in the Olympics, right? And he didn't quite care how he would actually get to the Olympics. He just wanted to be in the Olympics. And through a loophole, he was actually, to, actually able to enter into the Olympics by being a ski jumper. But here's the thing. He didn't have any experience doing that. And as a matter of fact, um, uh, he, he was attempting to try to... Uh, 
learn how to do that. And instead of kind of gradually building up to longer jumps, he decided, and this is true, uh, he decided to tackle the 70-meter jump without ever having done it before or anything close to it. This is the movie's depiction of that moment, but this actually happened. Check that out. Everything okay? Yeah, fine, just getting ready. Never done it before. Honestly. Could you give me a push, please? A push? He's a lot higher than I expected it to be. Oh, 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 Sorry you had to see that. Um, that was a, a CGI, if that makes it feel any better. Um, but nonetheless, uh, he had a vision. He had a vision for himself, reaching beyond what he could possibly even begin to grasp. And I just love the epitome of that, being willing to have the courage to do the hard work. Uh, he jumped right into that, quite literally. And it, it all culminated to a moment in the Olympics where uh, in order to um, really uh, be considered an Olympian, he had to jump the 90 meters, never done that before. Um, and uh, this was his moment of triumph. He knew he wouldn't medal, uh, but he was determined nonetheless. And uh, this is the movie's depiction of that true moment. Having God's vision for your life does not mean your life will be void of pain. Rather, Chris 
Volaton is quoted as saying, vision gives pain a purpose. Trusting in God amid his vision for your life is the best place to be. Look at this passage in Proverbs chapter 3 as the worship team comes back up to the stage. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Let's look at that passage again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. Ask, listen, commit to do the hard work, and he will make your path straight. What's the shortest distance between two points? Straight line. Yet many of us are content to kind of zig and zag and wander around aimlessly. That is not God's purpose for your life or for mine or for this church. We truly can experience God's vision by doing the asking, by listening, not just hearing, and by having the courage to do the hard work. And we can experience a fulfillment that is unlike anything that we've ever before. Now, this is God's purpose and plan for you as an individual, for me as an individual, but it's also his purpose and plan for this church. I've said this before, and whether or not you believe this yourself, that's fine, I can handle that. But God is not anywhere close done with this place. He has so much in store for North Haven. I can't wait to see that continue to materialize. And I am committed, and I want this church to be committed to do these things as well, to determine God's vision for this place, to to do the asking, to do the listening, and then have the courage to do the hard work together. And one of the ways in which we're going to set the stage, build that foundation, that foundation, that foundation on rock, not shifting sand, is to commit over the course of this year, 2022 is going to be a great year for a lot of things, but one of the things that it's, it's going to provide is an opportunity for us to venture through over the next 52 weeks. We are going to commit this entire year on Sunday mornings to going through the book of Acts. That's in the New Testament, and it tells the story of the creation, the beginnings of God's church. What was God's purpose and plan for the church? And are we living up to that? How can we, through the process of understanding um, God's, God's plan and purpose for the church, how can we then as a church live that out ourselves. I can't wait for that. It's going to be fantastic to discover who God has called us to be week by week over the course of this series. We're going to have small group questions that you can go through as a small group, that you can go through as individuals on a weekly basis. We're going to have that all for you, and more information will be given about that in the week. But let's do this. As individuals, I implore you to ask, simply ask, and then listen. (laughs) Listen, not just hear, 
and then do the hard work that God calls us to. That's my prayer for all of you. Let's pray. Father, lead us in the way everlasting. Reveal to us as we, as we simply ask and then listen, and then as we have the courage to do the hard work that is required as we live out the vision that you have for our lives. Lord, lead us in the way everlasting. Thank you for your faithfulness. I pray that we would grab a hold of that faithfulness, allow it to lead us as we follow you. I pray this in your name. Amen.